I was having some fun here in the comment section saying good morning to everyone, needing to come up with um, some adjectives that begin with the same letter as your first name. I thought, well, if Walter's here, wonderful Walter, that would work. Uh, Fantastic Fran would have worked, uh, but... We, we had precious, powerful Priscilla, spectacular Steve, and delightful Donna, uh, marvelous Melody, dutiful Dawn, and uh, dynamic K for Dinah K. So anyway, a little fun. Uh, you know, what, what would your adjectives be for you and uh, uh, wherever you are? Uh, what do you do with Jim? Is what could you come up with for Jim? A gigantic Jim or something like that? I don't know. Um, whatever. We're having fun. Uh, it is Tuesday and uh, we're going to wrap up first Corinthians chapter 14 today. Uh, and then I think we're probably going to take a little hiatus maybe um, because I would like to turn our attention to Hanukkah and uh, give consideration to Hanukkah and some of the days may be shorter I don't know yet uh, but uh, as any of you that have traveled with me these last several years would know I have found a very fond appreciation for the Jewish holidays and uh, so I uh, 
will lead us down that road to, okay, you guys uh, in the comments, I, I you just, <laughs> this is crazy. Look at what you guys are saying there, you know, jungle gym. <laughs> That's funny. I like that, Don. <clears throat> Others of you. Coming up with jubilant and joyous. Yeah, that's probably true of me. I, I am. I try to be joyous and jubilant. <clears throat> Jolly makes me think, oh, 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 oh. yeah, like I'm Santa Claus. <clears throat> the beard is getting wider all the time. It is. <clears throat> and speaking of it, there is wonderful Walter jumping in, joining us here this morning. <clears throat> Excuse me as well. I got a little frog going on here. Sorry to be uh, doing that in the microphone. Uh, again, 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to wrap up this chapter today and probably take a hiatus. Part of me is like, and I could change my mind, friends, because I might say I want to get us through 1 Corinthians 15. Although I guess there are a few chapters yet to go. We'll, we'll, we'll just, uh, we'll just put them, uh, uh, Put those chapters on hold, I guess, as we look at some of the other considerations of Hanukkah and Christmas and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> for those on the YouTube side not seeing what Priscilla, Jesus lover Jim, yeah, I, and I would like to be known as that. I, I don't always love him as I should, but I would certainly like to be known uh, as that. So, um, We left off uh, at uh, verse 25 yesterday, I think, is where we left off. Uh, I'm going to pick up at verse 22. It says, tongues then are a sign uh, not for believers but for unbelievers. And again, this is speaking in other languages, uh, this particular tongue. And we've talked about two different types of tongues. Uh, in this chapter, the, the angelic heavenly prayer language that uh, others don't understand unless there's an interpreter, uh, or languages, and uh, it would be like if we were in a, a cultural place like Portland, Maine, uh, that has diverse cultures, and the Lord wanted you to communicate the gospel to somebody, uh, he may enable you to speak in the tongue. Now, I, I have sometimes wondered if we would even know. Uh, we might be thinking we're speaking English and hearing ourselves speaking English, uh, but the Lord might be delivering our English into uh, Condoleezza or French or Portuguese or some other language. Uh, I think the Lord can do that. That is not beyond him to be able to do things like that. So this chapter has been a mix between angelic languages, uh, heavenly languages, that type of a prayer language, and earthly languages to communicate the gospel. So as we look at, um, going to find my mouse, as we look at the uh, the chapter to understand those two things, he says that tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. And we talked some yesterday about, you know, is the church gathering intended as an outreach event or is it intended uh, more as an equipping event, and I concluded in my comments that I believe it's more of an equipping event. It's more for believers. In fact, what what I think, and I, I've come to have this conviction 
But it's not a conviction that it would bring judgment on churches that have a different practice than this. I, I won't do that. Um, but a conviction that, you know, I, I think when non-Christians come to a, a worship service, we shouldn't water it down. Uh, yeah, we need to make the gospel clear, but I, I think they expect to see Christians worshiping. And when we don't, because oh, there's a non-believer here, what will they think? Well, they need to see us worship, or they need to uh, see us praying. They expect that Christians pray, and when we don't pray because we think, we might turn off a non-believer, then we're actually not giving them the very thing they came looking for, if that makes sense to you. Um, So that conversation took place yesterday. Uh, Verse 23, it says this, uh, if if the whole church comes together, everyone speaks in tongues, and some would not understand, or some unbelievers come in, uh, will they not say that you're out of your mind? This, now, now this has gone back over to everybody speaking in tongues at the same time and prayer language at the same time, and, and they won't know what is going on. Uh, it says, but if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody's prophesying, he'll be convinced prophesying is in a known language. And again, prophesying, as we said yesterday, in my humble opinion, this type of prophesying, now that we have the canon of Scripture, is prophesying, uh, declaring, exegeting, and expositing the Word of God. Uh, that should be the bulk of our dietary intake uh, from sermons. And uh, if it is mostly new prophecy, fresh prophecy, for me, a yellow flag will go up. If not, even a red flag will go up uh, because uh, I really think we need to stick to the Word of God. Uh and I'm not ruling out for those that are Pentecostal in their background <clears throat> that there will be some some prophesying. But when that is the major focus, I, I, I think it is misplaced. That, that's just my humble uh, opinion. Uh, verse 25 says, the secret of, of his heart, this is being a sinner who is not saved, uh, will be laid bare, hearing the word of God. He will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God really is among you. And, you know, the, the, the question is, would would the non-believers coming into our worship service gain the sense that God is among us? You know, it isn't, I, I don't think it's enough that, uh, that we just uh, ha- have really good worship music, I don't think it's good that, that the slides come off without a, enough that the, the slides come off without a hitch. I don't think it's, it's enough that, that there's a really good sermon. I think when people come in among God's people, they need to have a sense that God is among God's people. And so our, our worship needs to be rich, and we talked about that yesterday. And, and and we need to be mentally engaged. We need to be emotionally engaged. We need to be spiritually engaged uh, in our worship so that a non-believer would say God really is among these people. Now, let's continue down in the text. Picking up at verse 26, he says, What then shall we say, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn, or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. So Paul doesn't say none of these things should happen. He says, in fact, all of these things should happen for the strengthening of the church. Now, where we are today is uh, usually it is all scripted out. Uh, the, the songs are picked. 
Uh, those who are, are speaking will have been pre-chosen, uh, and usually it's the preacher uh, or someone on the worship team. Uh, we, we really don't, in many of our churches today, see this type of a thing where we uh, allow an opportunity for other people to give a word of instruction or revelation or a tongue or interpretation. We, we really don't allow room for that because notice in verse 26 what it says, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction. So, I mean, this is talking about what goes beyond the bulletin, what, what goes beyond what has been uh, orchestrated in advance. Uh, it would be, you know, for the spirit to move in such a way that, uh, you know, a worship leader or a pastor says, you know, I really have a sense that this song fits and, and, and it's not scripted. It's not part of the bulletin. It's not part of the lineup, but to be able to be led of the spirit to change things up or, or maybe somebody, somebody does have, uh, a, a scripture that they want to share. In fact, I would, I, I think it would be phenomenal if, if, we lived in it with such richness uh, in the Word of God that we didn't even need a sermon. That the people brought the sermon, uh, and that the pastor uh, MC'd, directed, guided, and then said, "Now let's make application of all this." Because God's people, I think, it would be so rich and so wonderful if God's people came in and there was. Um, Everybody was so moved and and what they'd studied that week, they had to tell somebody. They wanted to talk to somebody. Uh, Oh, that that was the the way that it was. And I I pray that it would become that way. Uh, Now, he continues giving instruction now in verse 27. He says, if anyone speaks in tongue, two or three at the most should speak one at a time and someone must interpret. Now, again, for my Pentecostal brethren and sistren, uh, yeah, and Walter Fran would be the one to tell you about the Quaker service. Uh, she grew up Quaker background, so she could speak to that. Walter is speaking in the comments here, uh, saying, saying this, I gotta find the mouse. You know, that, that's in the comments talking about a Quaker service. And, uh, Fran could give all kinds of insights, I'm sure, uh, about, uh, the Quaker service. Now, what I want to, say is is this that um paul gives instructions now some of our uh, pentecostal brothers and sisters if, if they're in churches where there are everybody speaking in tongues at once there is instruction in scripture given right here in verse 27 and verse 28 uh, about what this should look like if anyone speaks in a tongue two or three at the most should speak, and one at a time, and someone must interpret. So you see there's a limitation of two or three. Uh, you see that they should speak one at a time, and you see that there should be an interpreter. And then it says in verse 28, if there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God alone. That's what it says. And then he continues on, says two or three prophets, or you could say teachers should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And, and the question is, do we wear, wear, you know, wear, do we weigh carefully what is said? I mean, that, that is what we are instructed to do. Uh, in the book of Acts, it speaks about the Bereans who, who took what was said and, and, and held it up against the Old Testament because that's what they had. 
it'd be like today, someone holding up. And, and, and we have some friends, uh, and I, I miss these dear people uh, who were part of our church, but we're, we're so much into uh, weighing everything that uh, if things didn't line up according to what their favorite teacher said, uh, then then it was always a problem. And, you know, we don't always agree with what that favorite teacher said, and we'd argue those points. But, oh, that we had people say, but the Scripture says, uh, and, and would weigh things out. It says in verse 29 that they would wear things, uh, wear things. I keep saying wear. They would weigh things carefully. Wear is a combination between weigh and carefully. Uh, so that would be Wherefully, I don't know. Anyway, um, and then verse 30 says, if a revelation comes to someone who's sitting down, the first speaker should stop. Now, this was the experience that they were having in that day. Now, we would be highly uncomfortable with this type of a thing, and I think this should be an anomaly if it happens at all. But Scripture does give room for this to happen, that if a revelation comes to someone who's sitting down, then the first speaker, the first speaker should stop. It says, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Show respect for each other. Now, part of, part of the issue in our day is that we've made it that our, our worship services are hour 15, hour 30 minutes and we, you know, you don't go beyond that too often. Uh, but they probably gathered for longer periods of time. And, and in those days, the instructive in synagogue, at least the instructive was in, in the kind of the middle. It's almost like sermon in the round, if you will. Um, a lectern kind of in the middle of the room and seating around all around. And there would be uh, some teaching and then there would be some discussion and some teaching and some discussion of those that were present. And I think probably that model also took place uh, in the home churches or in the various places that, that it wasn't only just a 45 minute one way delivery of a sermon uh, but but there was some sermon and then a question and some response because that was the way that that uh, things were conducted in that day, not as they are today. And I, I think it was enriching. I, I think that's a change up that we could make uh, in, in how we do what we do in our churches. Now, verse 32 says this. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. In other words, this would be an interpretation of that for today or an implication application of this for today. What what this would mean is that the spirits of the prophets are subject to control of the prophets. In other words, the spirits of the preachers are subject to the control of the scriptures. That's how we would want to state that, that, that those who preach uh, are held accountable to, uh, are they being, or are they, Rightly dividing the word of truth. Are they rightly handling the scriptures? So that needs to take place as well. Now, another thing that was true in the Old Testament is that if someone prophesied some, such and such was going to happen in, in a week and it didn't happen in a week in the Old Testament, that person was to be taken out and stoned. Uh, and sometimes there's vagueness to what is given so that there isn't accountability. Uh, I, I am not anti uh fresh prophecy but but i will tell you uh, i am yellow flag and sometimes red flag about that 
Uh, I, I think that the, the, uh, the bulk of what is on our plate ought to come out of the, the word of God. Yeah, and, and Walter makes this comment uh, in the comment section. Let me just put that up uh, so you can see it. He says, uh, uh, in fact, you can't really see all of it. Uh, let me put one more. Yeah, it, it's not all on the screen. I didn't realize that it was cutting them off like that. It says, we've come a long way in our regulated, controlled church services and sometimes left the control of the Holy Spirit behind. And and I would say I absolutely uh, agree uh, with what you're saying, Walter. It It is true uh, that uh, way too often that happens, and we do leave the control uh, of the Holy Spirit behind. So, um, uh, trying to see if I can make, yeah, it, it's not going to make a difference uh, in how this comes across. I was going to try to adjust that, but, but everyone, you get the point. Uh, I, I, I think, I, I think that w- we do need to see change in how we do church. Uh, I think that how we do church in the West and, and maybe many places limits. We, in fact, I was part of a, about an hour and a half a pastors coaching group yesterday, and uh, one of the one of the things we talked about was how much knowledge is there versus you know taking people out and and actually doing the work of the ministry. Jesus uh, got people involved in ministry rather quickly. Those that, that began following him, they observed what he did, and they were invited into uh, what he did. Uh, and, and out of that, then they grew into maturity. Our approach often here in the West is, hey, let's give people all the knowledge they need. Let's let them learn Wayne, Wayne Grudem or whatever you know, thick theological book or Schaefer systematic theology or you know, the Institutes of Calvin or the 1689 London Baptist Confession. And once they learn that, now they're ready to do something. That isn't at all how Jesus functioned. And uh, we, we're very much focused on knowledge and oftentimes not uh, as much focused on actually going out and practicing the knowledge. You know, we just assume, okay, you've heard a sermon, you're going to go home and do it. Uh, and I will tell you as a preacher, as a teacher, that when I see someone putting into practice the things that uh, have been done um, or that have been said, uh, it, it brings great, great, great uh, in, in encouragement. Uh, Walter saying this, I've probably found the uh, the opposite uh, in emerging church overseas. Yeah, they, they, it's quick release. You get saved and you're told you're going to be a disciple maker like that. And it's just what you're supposed to do. You got saved. You're supposed to go out and start telling other people about Jesus. And that's that's the standard they hold up. It isn't, uh, are you in church? Have you gone to the class? Did you go to the newcomer's class? Have you gone to the next steps class? Have you gone to? No, it's like, okay, so have you gone out and shared Christ with somebody? That is the model. Uh, okay, so you shared Christ. Now, uh, my young, one of our young students, Ethan, at college, uh, rode with me on Sunday to Millinocket, where I was speaking, and uh, he shared with me he goes often to uh, like Husson or UMO to the libraries to study uh, and gets into conversations with people. And this week he got in a conversation with somebody in the library and he said, I wasn't expecting this. He said, but the person actually prayed to receive Christ. 
Yes. Now, thing is, Ethan, what are you going to do? Do you know this person? Can you disciple this person? And, and that would be the next step challenge I would give to Ethan. And I would probably say, hey, here's a study. Do the knowing him study together with this person. Help them get to know Jesus. Now, let, let's finish this chapter out. I need to finish out. I have just a few minutes left. Uh, and it does get into some things that are a little bit more controversial. And, and I don't want to necessarily get into those things here. This morning, um, uh, verse 33 says, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the congregations of the saints, women should remain silent. The church is now, what was going on? Women were not allowed to, to talk at all. They weren't allowed to ask questions. But because now the gate had been opened, now they're asking all kinds of questions uh, almost to the point that there were so many questions that they, they couldn't teach at all. And, and, and I think it is out of this uh, context when Paul says women should remain silent in the churches, uh, you know, and maybe had he said, you know, women should, should limit how many questions they ask because they had not been able to partake in the educative process up until the church. The church opened things up so much for women. And sometimes people say, well, the church uh, represses women. Well, no. Well, this verse does. Well, the reason for that is, um, uh, that th- now all of a sudden they were coming on like gangbusters and, and, and it was becoming quite disruptive in, in, it'd be like going to church and, and, you know, you have five people, uh, who just keep on asking questions. They ask questions, they ask questions and it's like, okay, come on. We want to finish the message. We want to finish the passage. This is where this is coming from. Verse 35 says, if they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it's disgraceful for them to speak in the church. This is something we could come back to, and I know this is troubling. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I am still weighing out, you know, how do we deal with passages like this? Um, I, I still maintain that I, I think that, you know, there should be male headship in the church, but I'm not, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I lean a little bit toward egalitarianism in this regard. I'm a complementarian is the word, uh, male leadership, but you know, I, I'm not opposed to seeing a woman speak from time to time. Uh, I would not want to have a w- woman be the lead pastor, but there are things that women have learned and can teach. And, and I think when, when we, uh, that's just me. I have brothers, uh, people in, in the constituency of, of knowing the Bible college who would uh, vehemently disagree with me on that point and would say it should only ever be men. Uh, that's not where I'm landing. Uh, and I have other good friends who land the opposite direction. And I think we need to learn to live with each other within some of those tensions. Let's finish the passage. Did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it's reached? Now he's speaking to the Corinth, the Corinthian people. If anybody thinks he's a prophet or spiritually gifted, let him acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is the Lord's command. If he ignores this, he himself will be ignored. Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid the speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And so often what is seen in, in some of these other situations is that those who are uh, prophesying, it, it's fresh prophecy, not it's not the uh, exposition of Scripture. And I would that were the exposition of Scripture. 
Uh, in many of the cases where there are tongues speaking in churches, it doesn't have interpreters, and many people speak at once. And that all goes against what Paul writes. Whether you, you know, if if you're a cessationist, you say none of this should be happening. If you're not a sensationist, if you're a person who believes all the gifts are fully intact and, and available and should be appropriated and practiced today, there is instruction given here, and the instruction is everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way for the glory of Christ. Well, friends, uh, th- that's that's Paul on the spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, 14, Romans chapter 12, uh, and there are some other passages, Ephesians chapter 4, somebody would, some, some people would point to as another place. Uh, and we talked about uniquely you, a great place where you can go, uh, and just put in uniquely you as it is spelled. Uh, and you can put in spiritual gifts, personality test in, in your search, and that will bring it up. And you can do that online. It costs like 30 bucks. You could do that on your own, uh, and, and figure out more fully how your personality and spiritual gifts come together for the service of Christ. Lord, thank you for the time we could spend today. Help us to live in accordance with your word. Help us to live in such a way that people would say that God really is among you. Help us to live in such a way uh, that, that we're living out our gifts for the body of Christ. May people be blessed through our lives as we live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll be discussing Hanukkah.